This is an explicit podcast. Welcome to Notorious Age of Sigma, an Age of Sigma podcast coming to you from New Zealand. I am your host, Big Sean, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tubbs, where we put the spotlight on the match play community in New Zealand, carrying off local tournaments, lists, and the occasional battle time. Welcome to Notorious Age of Sigma, episode 19. We are back in your motherfucking ears for a list techie, top table playy, meta chasing, masters overview. I have two masters on the show with me. Let's get straight to it. We got Dave the Man Kerr from Australia, back to back master. Big fucking dick energy. Dave, how are you tonight, my friend? Yeah, I'm really good, man. I'm really good. Thanks for having me on. Pretty keen to pretty keen to chat the game and chat shop. Absolutely. And that's what we brought you on for, mate. You obviously know you're well known around this part of the world, being you know Australia, even New Zealand. Oh, fuck that up. The states, UK, further on, um, and we thought we'd have you on to talk strategy, meta, gameplay from a masters level perspective. And of course, I've always got my loyal co-host Tubby Sean. How are you going, buddy? What's happening, bro? And Ready to hear some of this these knowledge bombs from Dave coming over tonight. Bro, you're one half in a master's chat as well, my friend. So for people that, if anyone's forgotten or if we haven't reminded anyone recently, uh, Tubman is the new, current New Zealand master. And as I said earlier, Dave is back-to-back current Australian master. So we've got like two-thirds of the world's masters on the show tonight. I know there's one in England, uh, maybe Scotland and Ireland, but who gives a fuck? Um, they're not our part of the world, and we don't hear a lot out of them. Love you, Scots and Irish lads, so keep listening. So we're going to start the show by going into listener questions. So put out um, a very brief statement the other day asking if anyone's got questions for some Masters type players. And we've got an overwhelming response. So first of all, thanks, lads, for the listener engagement. Really appreciate you guys getting involved in the show and asking some good questions. Now, some of these questions we will cover off in the later part of the show, but we'll try to rail through these as quickly as we can. But we'll try also answer everyone's questions. So the first one we have is from Lee, who says, um, oh, first of all, actually, I threw up my Element Games code last episode, and some <laughs> motherfucker used it. So, so whoever did that, <laughs> like, big fucking love, I will try find my code again so I can plug it once more. But I, I got, like, a pound of credit, so much love to whoever that was. Fucking keep that coming. Um, sorry, guys, I just got distracted. So That's first one question is from... the way to Warcry, mate. Mate, have, Fuck, oh, I'm it's... so keen. Going off topic, <laughs> Warcry looks so dope. Those yeah, red boys, man, I'm all over it. The red, the golems, mate. Yeah, man. Ah, I'm all about them snake boys, eh? Snake ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, um, just immediately speaking, derailed. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's fine, mate. I always think I talk way too much in the show, so it's good when people chime in. Um. On a sort of side topic, I noticed that the prices around the world for GW miniatures actually went up recently. Um, they haven't gone up in New Zealand, which is surprising because we're already been. That's nice. Up, but Dave, have do you know if the GW prices have gone up in Australia recently, or <clears throat> you don't follow it that closely? Um, or what? I don't really follow it that closely. I don't care most of the time, um, but. I think they did because I was having a bit of a laugh at the boys who are chasing chasing the white rabbit, trying to do fire slayers, and um, shot a couple across that Hearthguard have gone up in price. 
So that was fun for me. Not so fun for Fire Slayers. <laughs> yeah, that's um, I only noticed because I recently brought a corn army from the UK and all the prices seem to have gone up just after my purchases. Um, but they haven't gone up locally. Although the Sylvanef endless spells, which have gone up for pre-sale, um, are more expensive than the current endless spells in other ranges. But anyway, that element games code again, guys, was SHA4610. That's SHA4610. Keep sending me your tidbits. I am not above <laughs> whoring myself out. <laughs> this is the closest we're going to get to some some sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we, we're not doing that. Anyway, so Lee says, uh, so he's directed this question at me. It's a bit of an inside joke here. He says, Sean, what is your list building proceeds, process sorry, and why does it hurt Tub so much? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm pretty infamous for like flipping on lists as soon as I played him. And if I win a game, I fall in love with it. And if I lose it, I've done it and I hate it. <laughs> Which is probably not the best way to go. Oh, you're literally the worst, eh? It's like it's like Hayden was swapping armies, man. Like you go good, you go hot, 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 lose a game and you're like, fuck it, chuck it in the bin, start again. Every time. It's so bad. If you're not first, you're last, my friend, so we don't like losers, eh? Um and then <laughs> and then Lee says, Do you build lists to tournament packs? So Dave, do you wanna do you wanna take the lead on this question first? <clears throat> Right. Um, I think you probably should. I'm pretty notorious for not reading players' packs um, and just getting the information out of other people who have. Um, but, yeah, there can be some real funky shit in players' packs that if you're not aware of, can really catch you out. Like, um, I think last year's Sydney GT secondary is worth like nine points or something. Yeah, bro. No, it was no a bit idea. of an outrage afterwards. In the name <laughs> characters as no well. Clue. Yeah, yeah. So there was a bunch of shit in there that, you know, if you weren't aware of, you could have done really well. Um, like, I was undefeated at that event and I came third and I was like, hmm, that's strange. That's odd. I'll have a look at that. But, um, yeah, it was secondaries. So I guess back to the question. Um, yeah, if you can be bothered and you want to win, so this is this is all down to if you actually want to win the event or not. Um, read your players pack. Figure out what missions are there because missions can yeah. really change up what lists you want to bring. I think that's the bring. big EA. Yeah, definitely. Really dictates your list. If if you're going to take it out, if you you know you want a five and zero, oh, you have to check those missions because there might be that one one that fucks your whole army up if you uh, if you take a skewed list. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like you can have the you you can just have a an inordinate amount of ones that your heroes or your wizards or artifacts have to capture, and then you know you might have this bomb ass list, but if you got two or three heroes, you're probably going to suck eggs when you come up against a aether strike or something like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Tubby, anything you wanted to add other than what you've already commented on, mate? Uh, no, man. I'm I'm more or less the same as Dave. Um. Normally I open it up, look at the missions, and then that's pretty much as far as I go. Um, secondaries and stuff you can normally make up on the day unless they're like way out the gate. Uh, but yeah, just taking a list that works for the scenarios or more doesn't get hamstrung by the scenarios is the biggie. Like um, call to arms coming up is really um, real skewed in the way of mobility or something that can teleport is pretty essential, I think. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm taking the gits to call to arms for that reason. Cool. 
Uh, Sam Morgan says, does Randy become NZ Master if he drinks tubs under the table? And that's um, that's implied about Sydney GT. Are you going to Sydney GT, Dave, before I throw the tubs? Uh, I'm not. No. Too many. Just I, I work too much. I can't go do any of this. Yeah, yeah. Too much life going on. That's cool, bro. You yeah. don't need to go into reasons, but I think I speak for me and Tubbs when I say we're both deeply disappointed as we're going over. So, yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. We'll just uh, end it there. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I understand what you're saying. There's been, I've noticed from Australia, you guys have had a lot of events in the first six months of the year. And I don't know how many you guys have left coming up, but. You guys seem to have events every other fucking weekend. But anyway, getting back, getting back to the question, Tubbs, does Randy become the NZ master? Like, sure, sure. I, I need a drinking buddy for uh, for Sydney, so like, if you want to try, if you want to put me under the table, that's fine, as long as I'm having a good time, bro. It's all yours. Cool. <laughs> and then we go on to Michael from Dim and Darkness. Uh, where you're at with Stormcast now, and what type of build do you think oh, is the strongest in don't the current fucking meta? Fucking starter, Michael. <laughs> like honestly, my inbox uh, is this cunt sending me a list every every day, and it's different every time. <laughs> he doesn't know yeah. is the answer. Yeah. yeah, Dave, do you have you been have you had your finger on the pulse for Stormcast and the changes recently, mate? I know you've had success with them in the past. Uh, yeah, I haven't really kept on top of them i think the last thing i was playing was um two units of six long strikes and teleporting and predictors and a lot of shooting (laughs) ambles you know the usual but since then nah i've kind of kind of casualed off so playing those uh playing those third tier armies now (laughs) yeah (laughs) um So I will try answer this as quickly and best I can, Michael. But um, tell the girl away. <laughs> Good night, mate. Sorry, my son just walked up and tried to grab me as I was recording. Um, yeah, I'll try to answer this as quickly as I can, Michael. But I believe there's only two current valid types of Stormcast at the moment at 2,000 points. I think you go Anvil's uh, shooting meter, uh, which will probably net you sort of three and two, four and one at a tournament. Uh, depending on matchups towards the end, but the mobility and the bodies just let you down. And if you come up against a horde army, they just don't give a fuck um, about how many guys you kill, like Skaven or Gloomspite, or anyone that can mass produce battle immune, battleshock immune units. Then it's a bit of a pain in the ass. Um, and the second one, I think, is is still a staunch defender or uh, the Lord Castle on, on Star Drake or even Drakoff. And you accept that you can't compete with the always strikes first meter and always strikes last meter. So your way around that is stacking heavily armored units throughout your whole army. So I'm talking about like your baseline unit is at least three up rerolling ones, if yeah. not better. And you just honestly just try weather the storm of the initial hits. If they have mortal wounds, obviously that's annoying and you can't really deal with that. However, if they are hitting you with lots of no rend saves or lots of rend one saves or rend two saves, you're still getting sort of a five up save if your base saves are three up. Um, and you can try to get them to grind on the Star Drake and you win a late game. So you effectively attrition an army out with its always striking first bullshit 
and hopefully that army doesn't have a whole lot of rent and you just really grind them on a sort of defensive negative gameplay. Um, yeah, that's that's my quick comment about that. Yeah, that's a good point. I None took of the, a, all these um, new armies are, are going the other way. They're all going damage saves, but nothing's really stacking up hard armor saves. Fire saves can get pretty low, but I think it's once per game. Not like Stormcast Staunch Defender goes. Not those silly levels two up, rear rolling one sort of saves. Mm. What are you going to say, Dave? Um, I, I played a I played an event uh, where I did use that uh, unkillable Star Drake, and um, the game I lost was against Flesh Eaters, uh, and it took four goes of two Terrorgeists, and he he died by one wound, which I was absolutely spewing about, um, as I think most people are when they come against Flesh Eaters with someone who just runs at them and spends command points and has another crack. <laughs> and then goes yep. again and has another crack. Um, but yeah, that that Star Drake can get pretty um, pretty tanky. Yeah, what artifact do you use on a mate? Because I know there's some debate around the world, but I think there's only, in my mind, there's only one choice. I used Ignax. Yes. You clever fucking sausage. That is the correct answer. <laughs> the inherent flaw of Stormcast has always been they've got no mortal wound save, and when you've got something with 16 wounds and a base 2-up rerolling 1 save with Staunch Defender plus a Lantern for a 1-up, you've got to give them a mortal wound save because you literally okay. just chuck them into an army and they just grind on him and they heal him and he bounces mortal wounds and he doesn't kill shit. But he holds stuff in combat, especially stuff that can't retreat and charge, and he just sort of, yeah, you, you tank him up. So even at a one-up rerolling ones with Ren 2, you're, you're looking at the three-up rerolling ones, and, you know, the mortals that they can put out, you've got a four-up save for. So I think that's the build you go. Yeah. And you just grind people over three turns, and then you start scoring late game. Yeah, yeah. Drop a couple of things down, maybe. Teleport some yep. things over. But yeah, Star Drake takes center board and <laughs> just blocks up, as you said, just blocks up as much of the enemy army as he can. Yep. And, um, and absolutely shit the bed on Reign of Stars because if you play to Star Drake, that doesn't go off. You just ignore it. It's so swingy, bro. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> I've had it like assassinate an army worth of Sylvaneth heroes over two or three turns, and it's fantastic. But then. Other times you roll a one and then you don't even get the four up off and you're like, fuck that. You know? But then again, I've never used rolling thunder. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so Jono Enzor says, does being a top table player, TM, and needing to chase the rankings make it harder to have casual fun games? Or has being the best, or has being the best all the fun you need? So, Dave, what's, What's your response to that sort of question? Loaded question. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess at the end of the day, even if you're a top player, you got to realise that you're still just playing a game. Um, you got to relax. If you can't take the foot off the accelerator when you're having a friendly game, then fuck. You probably need to stop playing and go down to the pub and have a couple of beers. Um yeah, I'm I'm pretty lucky. I've got a crew around me that um, does like to play pretty competitive, but I have an absolutely abysmal 
record in my friendly games. I lose probably about 80% of my friendly games. <laughs> and it's just because I fuck around and I try different things. I'm like, yeah, I'll give that a go. See how it goes. And then, you know, I get to events and I'm like, well, I know that that doesn't work. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to do it. Or I, when you get down to a, a key move, I can be like, I've tried that before and it doesn't work. Or I've tried that before and it does work. Let's fucking give it another go. Um, yeah, I reckon, you know, if you're a top player and you want to be a top player, just be a cool dude at the same time. There's no need to be a dickhead. And Toby? 100%, man. Um, you've got to judge. Like, if it's outside of a tournament and you're just, you know, playing a game, you've just got to judge who you're playing. Like, if you're not playing a, a, a hardcore top table player that wants to, you know, stress list, just take some random meme list from some random battalion that you saw that you thought was cool and give it a crack. But, you know, if you're playing somebody who who's really competitive and that to them is fun, um, having a hard hard game like that, then that that is that is the fun side of it as well um uh, yeah i think different different suits different people you know like some want that that joke around game and some want the the hardcore competitive one you just sort of got to try and suit your opponent a bit and um and go from there yeah i mean i don't, i don't really have an issue sort of like coming off the gas i guess so to say if you're thinking that like a tournament player is this like all encompassing when it all costs fuckwit to be honest um like i I don't know it's probably just the games i play outside of tournaments i play with people that are my mates first and foremost i met him through warhammer but they're my mates they're not like my gaming buddy and we just talk about the game beforehand we're like you know i'll text matt down the road and say you want a game wednesday said yeah sure what sort of game i'm like tournament prep game or i've got a new list idea i just want to fuck around and you sort of set the expectation beforehand um I, I I don't know if I lose a casual game, I don't really give a no. fuck. <laughs> to be honest, I don't. But if I win, great. But I I don't know. I've ne- maybe this question isn't for us. I've never really met someone who gets like physically or emotionally upset after losing a a game outside of a tournament, which I think is what casuals meant to mean. I don't know. I, don't know. I might not be <laughs> yeah, the best person to yeah. answer. That. It's even like, I, I don't think I really have that fun. person. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've genuinely. Out of all the tournaments I've been to in the last four years, I've had three games that come to mind that I didn't enjoy, and it was partly the army, but it was mainly the opponent. Um, yeah, and they're no, none of them no longer playing the scene, so it's fine. Um, but we didn't like come to blows or anything. Uh, whatever, I don't know. You forced him out, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, his drinking I culture and, and his swear words publicly, <laughs> and his big bullyingness. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. my rock man. and roll, my tattoos that I don't have, but Tub sure does. Um, just hard no, up rolled just... like different dice on his table when he was rolling, just mix them in his pile. Pinching some of his dice. No, just throwing them in their all kind, man. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking their models, you know, yeah. all that sort of shit. Um, yeah. no, I, I don't know. I don't think I can really answer that question too well because I play with my mates and we all have the same sort of understanding and ethos going into games. So I don't know. Talk to your opponent, you know, be interactive. Decide what the intent's going to be, you know, even at a tournament. If you're going into the last game of a tournament and you're like two and two or you're like one and three, you're like, hey, bro, none of us are going to win the tournament. Let's just have a fucking awesome game and fuck around and have some laughs. You know, great stuff. That's that's awesome. Be fucking self-aware. I don't know, boys. Don't be 
yeah. Anyway, uh, next question is from Tristan Gray, which is, who's your favorite NBA player? Dave, do you follow the NBA at all, mate? You care? Uh, not at the moment, but I could answer it from back when I did. I was a big um, Charlotte Hornets fan. So uh, I was Larry and Muggsy. Muggsy Bowes? So, yeah. yeah, I'm going to take it right back. That's my pick. Yeah. Smallest motherfucker around? Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um, Tubby, do you care for I, NBA? No, nah, bro, I don't watch NBA at all. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, mine, I don't follow NBA a whole lot. I used to love basketball as a kid. Um, but Muggsy Bo- I mean, not Muggsy Bogus. That was fucking Dave's. Um, Blake Griffin. I like Blake Griffin. But I don't follow the NBA as much as I could. Uh, next question from Sam is, how fucking dumb is the activation wars and what quick fix would you do to correct it? Uh, Dan Brewer has actually answered. So we'll read off his first, I guess, because he's not here to <laughs> talk about it. Um, Dan Brewer being the, the true Australian master that it never was, from what I understand, Dave. Can you confirm if that's correct? Uh, definitely, definitely correct. Um, yep. If Dan was there, fuck. I'd, it wasn't even worth me coming down. Yeah. But luckily, Chris was here to shit his pants twice in a row, eh? Oh, rough. <laughs> <laughs> rough. <laughs> Chris only followed me on Twitter today as well, so I'm probably yes. burning bridges <laughs> left, right, and center. But, uh, I haven't met Chris, but I met him at Sydney. I met Dan. Dan's all good. Uh, um, he's a nice boy. Yeah. <laughs> So Dan said, reset to the end of 2018, re-release Skaven, Corn Slanish, Fire Slayers, and Flesh Eaters, and fire whoever wrote them. Ha, ha, ha. I'm pretty sure he laughed as monotonely as I did. Uh, Skaven doesn't even even have an activation war, but it's still dumb. Ha, ha, ha. Um, obviously, that's not realistic, but Dave, going back to the original question, how dumb is activation wars, and what's a quick fix to correct it? Well... Um... The activation was kind of just shut the bed with flesh eater courts, I find. Um, and I'm going to go hard on Ben Johnson as the dude who wrote that, wrote that book and then took it to an event and just absolutely oh, crushed pussy for five games. Yeah. Like, someone's got to look at that and just be like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Fucking pull your head in or something because – I don't know. I just thought that was pretty poor form. We're going it's back to, um, to Jono's question here, man. Yeah. Do you have to be a dick when you, you need to win games that bad? And apparently somebody does. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I, I fucking hated that. See, if I was in that position, in his position, I'd just feel a little bit... I, I wouldn't think that that was good. I don't know. It left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. I think it left a sour taste in a few people's mouths. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. He's, he's a rules writer. I'm not. I don't know how actually hard it is. Um, yeah, the activation was now just stupid. They just they take some armies kind of out of the game. And that's one of the things I'm sure we'll talk about later with prep now for tournaments. You just have to take that into account. And if you, if you can't deal with the activation wars in some way, then you're going to come across one of them and you're just going to get you're just going to get fucked basically. What would I do to fix it? Um, it didn't seem that bad with Ideneth. They had one turn to do it. I don't know. Maybe just make it a like you have to pick when you're going to use it. And then, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a good answer for that. Maybe if you charge 
You know, if you charge, you always go first or something, and then you alternate once units. Uh, I don't, run out. I don't, know, I, I, I don't know. That's how it is in 40k, but I don't know if it works in Sigma, man. Yeah. Like, that could even be worse, you know? What I don't like about it is all the janky rules mm. that, like, each different army seems to have. They're not consistent with regarding it. They're it? all fucking like, different. That's the, nah. that's, that's the cuntiest bit about this whole thing. Like, Slanesh is one way and Fix one way and Corn's another way, and then. You know, it's just all up the duff. Well, then you've got all the always strikes last yeah. with Get Mob and, sorry, Gloom, Spike Gets and fucking Slanash, which is essentially the same thing. Yeah. And then Corn piling in from six away when they're fighting last or they're fighting first or what the fuck are they doing? Going into these ones, they're supposed yeah, to fight and then first they all have a crack. Last. It's just a, it's, it's an absolute clusterfuck. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's past yeah. the point of fixing, yeah. I think. It's just what it is. Yeah, I think it's probably going to need a hard reset um, to to possibly solve it. It's just not so; it's not very clean, and it's pretty frustrating. But I don't know. It's I don't think the game needed it. I don't it. think there's an easy fix. Yeah, and I think you're right, Dave, with the whole Idenf one. Where you're like, look, I know this is going to happen in turn three, and they'll fight first in turn three at the bottom and the top. And how do I play for that? So if something's just always going to fight first for no reason, and has the ability to output as much damage as a Ghoul King does. I mean, a Terrorgeist, like, it's just kind of lazy, isn't it? It's like a cool idea, but applied to the wrong unit. Yeah, and all of the buffs that go on that Terrorgeist and all of the, like, the non-diminishing on the Terrorgeist bite and it oh, being so what it true. is, and then you can just double up on the mount traits with rerolling your bite attacks. Like, it's all specifically written to make that combo as fucked as possible yeah. which is why i think ben needs a fucking smack on the bum <laughs> yeah 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 um all right we'll move on to joel graham who said what is the best corn list first is intyrants or archeon with unfettered and dark feast um dave do you know much about corn you care much fucking- about corn <laughs> no idea. I know that I beat him with Gits and I fucking had a great time because my dudes are like less than an inch high and he had these huge <laughs> models. I beat uh, him and that felt good. Uh, but otherwise, no idea. <laughs> so so you're confirming on, on the airways that Joel Graham, in fact, is a scrub and is no good at the game? Correct. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 100% confirmed. <laughs> was this in a casual game where you lose most of, or was this a tournament game where you No, won? this is actually a tournament. It was the last game. Oh, fuck. Um, I was so wanting you to against, say it was a casual uh, game. <laughs> no, nah, it, um, it was against four bloodthirsters, so I'm assuming the Council of Blood, <clears throat> and the one where they can double pile in. Yeah, Tyrant. Everything like reasons. that. Yep. Yeah. No, nah, didn't care. Just made him multiple negs to hit, rolled in with my dudes. Just throwing out immune to Battleshock, like I don't know things. So I got a billion CP by the end of turn two. Mm-hmm. And um, just my little dudes, just spearing him in the foot and then throwing out mad spells. That was great. Had a good time. <laughs> I, was, I was saying this to Sean the other day. I was like, it must fucking suck to lose against Grotz because they're just such shitty little, like, meme fucks. Like, I've got Stormcast, I've got Bloodthirsters, yeah, and I lose yeah. these little fucking dickheads in cloaks. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they mean they're, they're like to be a joke. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they kick the shit they out are of you. Just kicking you yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah. It- uh, Tubby, do you have comment on 
Corn versus Tyrants or Archeon with Fury. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think there is a best Corn list yet. Archeon's tight, but he's only one model, so I'm not the biggest fan of it. But then again, Bloodthirst is as squishy as balls. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think it's, I think there's another list, definitely a Reaper's list with Bloodthirsters in it, but not, not full Tyrants, uh, especially after the FAQ, which, which, which was obvious that, that they all didn't get to fight, fight twice and fight in succession, but I don't, I don't know if he was doing that or if people were doing that, but, uh, I think there's another list with some other goodness mixed in there. Slaughter Priest, man, Slaughter Priest are fucking so abusive. <laughs> Yeah, I was just about to say, if you take four Bloodthirsters, you can't take heaps nah. of Slaughter Priests, and they just seem yep. like the best thing. Yeah. A Fury Thirster, because he is just ridiculous. A bunch of Slaughter Priests and maybe a Rage Thirster yep. tops, or Scarbrand. I've been enjoying that. Scarbrand, a Fury Thirster, and then fill the rest up with Slaughter Priests and a banner. Or just yeah. four Slaughter Priests. Yeah, what I plan to do is, yeah, Fury, Scarbrand, D Thirster, um, Two priests and a banner, and I'm yet to see how that goes, but I'll report back on that. Um, I don't know what's best. I haven't played against either of them, uh, nor have I played with either of them. But what I will say is, you look at who in the UK is running Archeon in a corn list, and that might tell you something for the future, as there's a lot of people playing Archeon all of a sudden. Um, yeah, that's 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 about that. Um, if you could have any song played as a theme music, so sorry, this is from Cinderful Gaming. If you could have any song played as theme music as you enter into a tournament to play AOS H Sigma, what would you have, Dave the Master Cur? Fucking hell. I don't know, because you, you either go some stupid song or you just go some mad hardcore song, but then you're basically saying that whenever I walk into a tournament, I like crip walking. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You can't win in this situation, bro. Like you can't. Like yeah, I can't win yeah, this answer. Then. Yeah, um, you, you, yeah, it's it's always a piss take song, <laughs> as you said, or you go hard out <laughs> something that's I don't know sets the tone, but then everyone's like, man, that guy's a fuckwit. You know, <laughs> yeah, the head yeah. on his shoulders. So I, I wouldn't know what oh, my answer. So uh, got mine. At the moment, oh, do you? I think I'd go either Rage Against the Machine or Run the Jewels. One I of like those it. songs. I like it. Uh, what do you got, Sean? Oh, yep, right. Tubby. Come on. Oh. Come on. No, you're you probably going to steal mine anyways. Give it give it a shot. I have no idea, bro. Um, I just like lots <sighs> of different music. Notorious so. B.I.G. Big Popper, mate. Um, oh, <laughs> yep. Yep. That's 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 quite obvious. Yeah. Could have done that. Considering <laughs> we've completely stole all his material <laughs> to bolster our own gain for the podcast, but whatever. Um, I don't know. One of the songs in the outro, maybe? I don't know. I'm pretty sure there's like a pretty epic song from the movie Requiem for a Dream, uh, where they're like shooting up heroin, and there's like some mad violin song playing. I don't know. Um, anyway, so Sam Morgan is back again. Uh, what do you think about combining NZ and, uh, and Oz rankings uh, for an Australasian Masters? Dave, there's one half of the Masters here. Um, what do you reckon? I, I wouldn't have an issue with it. I'm not sure. Sh- as you said, we have so many tournaments. Like, um, yeah, 
how many events do you guys have over there? We've got running? a few, but nothing the size of you guys is one. So that it'll be hard to um, like have a scoring bracket. If you know, there might be a separate one for New Zealand and a separate one for Aussie. Like size, size to get max points. Yeah, yeah. Like there could be two yeah. divisions. Yeah, and there's... then come in the end. I'd love an Australasian oh, Masters. I'd be, That'd be dope. keen as fuck. There has definitely yeah. been talk about this. Speaking with some inside knowledge between uh, Clint and Tim from New Ze- Clint from Oz, obviously, and Tim from New Zealand about it. But I think it's just a logistical nightmare, and it would be too hard to satisfy all parties. Um, I'm assuming you would alternate countries years to who hosts it but then you know obviously there's money and there's time and there's a factor but i don't know maybe it's something you can opt into um at the start of the year uh, it's shit i don't know like i don't i'm not against it but i just don't know how you make a successful system where everyone oh fuck excuse me where everyone is happy um yeah yeah i mean we Hard have events like every month in the one country yeah exactly exactly like we have events every month dave like not as frequently as they do in Oz, uh, but as Tub says, our size is uh, smaller. So, you know, say if you're doing max points for like a 50-player tournament, you would get one in New Zealand a year, whereas Aussie you'd probably get like a half dozen or more. Uh, so that yep. would obviously just like. And then if you're having the Masters in New Zealand and like nine out of the twelve players are Australians, they're like, why the fuck yeah. do you go to another country to play in a Masters when we could just do it here? You know, so that would be cool. Because it's fucking cheaper to fly there to New Zealand than it is to Perth. Well, I mean, Perth what is the fuck? Like, what do you mean is Perth? Perth anyway? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cold. Like we're we're talking about combining New Zealand and the eastern coast of Australia, but here's fucking Western Australia. I have no idea what they're doing. I don't even know if they have a scene. I don't even know if they exist. No, nah, I don't fuck. even know if they got the internet, bro. Cable's still that being late. too, man. Yeah, yeah. That too. Uh, so Joel McGrath says, including the faction-specific ones, what is the best endless oh, spell I in like the game? Question. Oh, man. What it's gone, it's got me so fucking like conflicted, it. though. Uh, so, like, I think you've got to probably take... I definitely know my yeah, two. You gotta, if he wants one, I'm fucked. Um you really got to limit it down to points. So that kicks out like Vortex. That's that's long gone. I think like Gemnids is still in there. The Chalice for Feck, that's still in there. Um, what's the bull? The bull for Beast of Chaos? That's hot in there. I think it'd, I think it'd be oh, somewhere yeah. somewhere around there, unless I'm missing a massive one. Uh but I think I'll still stick with Gemnids. I think Gemnids is just ridiculously good. So so much utility and so much damage and so much range out of a spell um, for 60 points. At 40 points, it was standout by far the best, but at 60 points, I think it's still, still in the hot top three. Dave, you got one, mate? Yeah, look... I, I I do rate Gemini. It's really highly. Also, before the latest FAQ, I thought the Springy Denny yeah. was pretty high. Um, not as good now. Uh, but my top two, definitely the Scuttle Tide oh, yeah. from the Gits and the Malevolent Moon from the Gits. I love both of them. I think they're rad. 
Um, I put them in every single gets list I have. They're my two favorite endless spells. Same. I feel you on the moon. The, the moon's the fucking tide. tight. So just, unlimited range on the scuttle tide is fucking so good oh. as well. Scuttle tide. Oh, yeah. it's, it's sneaky Dick fucking good. so good last games. Oh, bro, and then Matt used it on me as well, and I was like, I know about this motherfucker. <laughs> you know, but it's the unlimited <laughs> range is sick, and the amount of space it blocks, but yeah. Um, yeah, the blocking, the it affects the movement because then you've got to think about, oh, do I move outside of six or do I still need to stay here? Um, the Yeah, the unlimited range. But the moon, ah, oh, the moon. I love the moon. I know. Downing points. It's unbelievable, Couldn't man. Couldn't believe it. Um, but it, it pumps out mortal wounds, which is cool, but then it negs your casting and there's, there's so many lists out there that are just like, I want to cast these spells. Just yeah. like fucking and the neg three too. range on it, man, is massive. And then if they're under the moon, another neg. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I love it. Moon, great, great stuff. So we go into Anthony AOS coach it says, uh, which sort of ties into one of our questions. Uh, what are your predictions on the meta for the next six to twelve months? Any armies returning to the top? Uh, changes in way. Uh, the game's played, etc., etc. So, Dave, actions, armies. Six to twelve months. <laughs> fucking hell! As if you can predict the meta twelve months out. Like, who would have predicted the meta at the end of last year? Well, to what Dave, it is now. Dave, mate, the best example I give is when GW contacted a number of people around the world, um, us included and asked us in like august or september we're writing a new general's handbook can you give us points feedback so we're taking the meta as of september last year not knowing about gits or thick or skaven or anything like that and we gave comments and the general's handbook is a clear reflection on a meta that is dead and gone six seven months ago so (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah like you know, I would have let's, put, let's drop it down to six months. So, um, Master's Time, which is good. Going, yeah, yeah, Master's Time. I'm going to say that Darkling Coven's <laughs> definitely um, breaking out oh, into fuck. the mouth. Going <laughs> <laughs> to become a big, big thing, big deal, big players. Um, look, Daughters of Cain have survived up till now. They're probably going to survive another six months. Um, Flesh Eater seems to have slidden back a bit. Uh, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Fix I think out. there's some counters to them. There's one from the yeah. GHB, man. Slinesh, I think, have still got a little bit of time. Yeah, KO, bro. Jaws, mate. KO. KO's looking fucking scary. Cur- yeah, man. Caradron. They're, they're cheaper that is true. than they were at their I'm peak I'm actually right terrified now. of them getting a book. Like across the board, they're yeah. they're cheaper than they were at their peak. They lost like some of their Zifflin tricks, man. But the rest of it, you get you get even more than, than you did before, and you were just dick holding armies off the board. Like, I I think they're fucking scary as fuck. Yeah, yeah. Imagine when they get a book, man. How pants on head stupid they're gonna be. Just gonna line up and it's gonna be like playing against forty oh, K army or something. Just like mm, sweet shooting guys, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many armies so suck against like shooting at the moment too? Uh, like, it's just such a good counter. 
I wouldn't be yeah. surprised to see them take out a Masters somewhere. Yeah, big time. Yeah. He, yeah. KO, like, a couple of good armies. They're not um, – you can't just pick them up, like, Flesh Eater Courts. I'm going to call out all the Flesh Eater Court players out there. You can't just pick them up and run forward and, you know, pile in four times and pat yourself on the back and walk off. Uh-huh. you got to think about your game. Um, but, yeah, man, I think I think Slanesh still has some time for people to, like, work it out and get it right. But I feel like they have some really, really strong things up their sleeve. Whether they can actually pull it out or not, who knows. I also think Fire Slayers have some, some really cool moves. I, I can't see any one army becoming, like, the dominant. The sort of quote-unquote S-tier army that wins everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you guys probably um, have a different view. What do you reckon, Kabi? So, I think Selenish is going to be really, really fucking strong. It's it's going to take place of flesh eater courts, I think. Uh, I think I think they're they're well bumped down now. They're just sort of outclassed, and they're also got a bit of a hiding from the um from the GHB. Not too bad, but bad enough to knock them down from. Uh, things like Doc and things like Skaven, uh, Slanish, and I th- like I think Ko. I think that's the that's the top four. I don't know what's um I don't, I know Zinch is pretty tasty, um, but things like Ko just absolutely mm. shits on Zinch. Like it, it is the hardest of hard counters to it. Anything with shooting, Stormcaster's got cheaper too, so that hurts Zinch hard. Um, I, I don't think they're slipping in that that top top tier list, but at the moment, I think they're the four that that are looking the hottest out of the um out of the gates. Yeah, I I think every new army has like this, especially armies that have been re-released. So what I mean by that is armies that people already have models to. So not a brand new model range like Iden F or anything like that. More like a flesh eater courts where it's an easy accessible army and a lot of people had it. Always has like a two or three month grace where they just stomp dick because it's all new. And people haven't had a chance to play against it yet and don't have the information to deal with the armies at hand. However, in saying that, I think the meta is going to be quite similar to the last sort of few months. I think Skaven is still going to be very good. I think Flesh Eaters are still going to be mid-table bullies, which are going to ruin people's days. But I think they've just been tipped with the command points in the direction of like a 4 and one sort of build as opposed to a 5-0. Um, I think Slanesh is very good and we'll be seeing them become a big problem shortly. I think Fire Slayers are good as well. They're just resilient. They're tanky. They don't have as many bodies. Um, however, I think a Hagnar army will turn up at any one event with, piloted by a decent general and will just shit on everyone's day still, Yeah, in all honesty. Um, so that, that's my prediction. Obviously, you know, it's, it's July at the moment. We don't know what books are coming out. Apparently, there was meant to be one new book for each Grand Alliance, not including Silver and F, so... Apparently, we've still got four books to go in the few months we have left in the year. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what it looks like then. Um, next one, next question is uh, from Dave Fraser. Is Kane Williamson the most awesome bloke or what? Uh, yeah, he's pretty cool. He's New Zealand cricket captain. We lost to cricket recently. That sucked, but he was a good dude. Uh, Joel Graham said, should chess clocks be a thing at tournaments? Now change host is back. Uh, hashtag Twitter meter. Dave, 
chess clocks, timing. You got an issue with him over in Australia, mate? Uh, I do. <clears throat> also, chain chase. There's no difference to chain chase than pushing around your 200 plague monks or um, the cutting rock. I the issue I have with chess clocks is you're going down this path of um, like a war machine path where everything just becomes it's just all about that competitive edge and I just don't want to see that come in I just think it's a slippery slope if your opponent's playing slow just fucking tell them to yep. hurry up or like if you're a slow player and you've realized that you know have some fucking self-awareness if you rock up to a tournament at the end of the five games, you're like, shit, I didn't finish any of my games, then, you know, where does the issue lie? Don't I think clock. the clock puts that, like, pressure on the players too, and it probably takes away a little bit of that, like, the fun bantery element that should be going on. Like, you, when you know you're on the clock, you're less likely to, like, give your yeah. opponent some shit. You're more likely to be like, oh, make sure I get my turns done so I don't, you know, look like a dickhead, but really you're looking like a dickhead because you're just staring at the table rolling dice the whole time. Yeah, I don't like chess clocks. I've never used one, but I don't like the idea of chess clocks. For the reason that Dave said is that the game becomes more of a process of going through the motions of the phase rather than an interactive social experience with your opponent, you know? Like, as I said, in all the games of AOS I've played in the last four years, there's been three games that I can think of that I didn't enjoy. Um, outside of that, they've all been great, and I'd quite happily have a beer with them, as I've had a beer with most of them, invite them around to my house for games, talk to them outside of tournaments and shit like that. So, yeah, I don't really want chess clocks to be a thing. I think having the right sort of approach about reminding your opponent, especially if they're playing slow, um, is, is beneficial. You know, just gentle reminders throughout the game. Not so much being black and white about it, but being like, hey, we've got two hours to go. Hey, we've got an hour and a half to go. Hey, we've got an hour to go and we're only at the bottom of turn two. Can we, you know, to speak? Can we agree to try finish this game? Sort of routine, you know, that sort of stuff would be would be really well. And then also, again, what Dave said, have some self awareness. Maybe it's not your opponent. Maybe it's you. If every game you're playing is going like two time, and you're not finishing the game, uh, maybe what sort of army you're running? How are you playing? You know, if you're playing two hundred bodies, do you really have time to sit there and take ten minutes in the hero phase to decide what order you're going to cast your spells in? No, move your fucking models. Get quick about it, you know? Um, Scrubby and Wells, Tyler, Emerson says, in general, do you think MSU is underrated? Yes. Dave, do you think MSU? Or Tubbs thinks so, Dave? Yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree there too, yeah. Yeah, I definitely I see the, um, okay. the, the scary play... part about running MSU Sorry? at the moment is like how prevalent endless spells are because they have that massive AoE, you know, multiple damage output. And if you're MSU and you play one of those endless spell bomb lists, you're fucking going to have a bad day because you're going to be taking so much more damage than somebody would be that isn't taking MSU. Yep, yep. And then Tyler also goes on to ask, why are Plague Monks 80 points slash 280 points? Know. I don't fucking know. Um, it really feels like they shat the bed on something that has a war scroll longer than the Gash, who is like <laughs> almost a 900-point <laughs> demigod of the game. Where you where you've given this rat like a stick or a sword and says he likes Nurgle, it's it makes no fucking sense. It's so dumb. And I feel sorry for every army that doesn't have shooting or like range because they have to fight them and then they die and then they kill you and then they just drown you in dice and it's real fucking dumb. 
Um, that's my opinion on it. I don't and know. It's if you serious bookkeeping there. rolling those dice. Oh, and it's so boring. It's so fucking boring. You know, like, yeah. oh, I'll just go take a shit, bro, while you're doing this. And then you come back and there's six different piles in front of you. One is no rent, yeah. one damage. One is rent one, two damage. One is rent one, one damage. One is rent one and a mortal wound and two damage. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? You know. But anyway, Dave Fraser says, what the hell do you do about Slanesh? Anyone here played Slanesh? Anyone has any experience or any answers? Play Gits. Gits fucking loves Slanesh <laughs> all day. I'll play Gits every yeah. fucking um, Slanesh every game. Smiling. Dave? Yeah, Gits are the best, eh? <laughs> <laughs> fucking <laughs> such a good time. <laughs> Look, if, if you're playing against someone with Slanesh and they haven't taken Fly, then they haven't written their list properly. Um, and you're laughing. Uh, if you're playing a multi, multiple wound army, then, you know, Fuck. I don't know what to say. They're probably going to summon three extra Keeper of Secrets and, yeah, you're fucked. Um, just be cool and play Gits. Sweet. Take Great the moon. That's, it's that's the best. Very specific answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, not going to help. 99% <laughs> of the play base, but that's fine. Uh, so, <laughs> so get good or play Gits is what I hear. Uh, Chris Welfare, yep. uh, Dave, your your arch nemesis. Uh, do you think Vanguard yes. Stormcast is a bit too cheap now? Everyone's getting their long strikes out. No, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's about it's one of the few things we've got going for us. But I'll have you know, Chris. Um, first of all, thank you for the question, mate. Look forward to meeting you in Sydney. Uh, I was playing long strikes, you know, nine months ago when when that was the cool trendy thing to do. I think I'm going to stop playing long strokes and be ahead of the curve again. Um, oh, I fucking hate you. Just just watch the space and, and we'll we'll see where the meta goes in a few months. <laughs> just stick with an army. I, my Stormcast you know, really cool out of the vanguards because I was, you know, not playing Gav Bomb like every other motherfucker. Sorry, um, Dave. Vanguard. <laughs> Models are cool. Uh, Palidors. Yeah. Palidors. I think they're really good. Oh, bro. Can we More just... people should try out Palidors. Can we just whisper sweet we'll coming into each other's ear? Oh. <laughs> so I've been playing. Yeah. Um, I played against. Um, you go, right? Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I've been playing um, the Vanguard Angelus Conclave recently in a few games. And it's a battalion where you take Hunters and Pelladors. Uh, so it's good to lower your drops. And for the ride that wins the Ferric, which I think is like game-breakingly good on the Pelladors. You roll nine dice instead of six dice. And as long as your Pelladors survive late game, they are fucking six and objective stealers all day long. Um, and if you're trying to use them to do other shit like fighting combat, then you're doing it wrong, because that's not what they're, they're there for. Dave? Oh, yeah. yeah I love that Ride the Winds is, is absolutely clutch. I loved it on um, Arcanum on Griff Charger. Always just be bouncing around. I take the trait where you roll seven dice. It's not as cool as nine, but you know, still get me where I needed to go. Yeah, I loved it. I, I played against um, Timmy McDivitt. Oh, I can't even fucking remember. Oh, I was playing Blown Splitters. And yeah, he ran um, he ran a, a ton of um, that conclave against me and six paladors. He buffed up. He was running the storm host where you give him plus one attack. Yep. Uh, and he did something else cool. I don't know. Rolled into my thirty arrow boys and just fucking dead. It was it was great. It was awesome because Paladors are 
some of the best looking models. Oh man, totally. Just that whole Vanguard line has got to be the the only real Stormcast that tickles my balls. The Hunters mm. too, they're fucking mint. Yeah, they're all... I'm just waiting for them to get those Griff charges, the fucking Griff hounds, pull their finger out and make them awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 140 points to five. That's um, never, ever happening. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So DJ says, uh, do they all plan on traveling to Masters this year? I assume this is like an Australian dig because from what I understand, not a lot of players traveled for last year's Masters, Dave. Is that correct? I don't know who DJ is. Dylan Tate. Um, I'm just thinking, who was it? Masters. There was a few of us from Queensland, and I was in Sydney. Um, a few came up from um, Bendigo. I don't know if anyone came from SA. I know there was a couple yeah, of other guys in Bendigo as well. And then obviously, the yeah, one Masters like- who didn't, Dan Brewer. I mean, yeah, Dan Brewer didn't yeah. come spewing because, well, good for me, but spewing for them because, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't really understand the question. Yes, we're going to travel. I'm going to travel again. I'm going to go to Masters. You're going to go to Melbourne? I'm going to take Gits and I'm going to, yeah, fuck it. I'll go to Melbourne. Melbourne's got good food. I'm going to go down that alley that's got just, it's, it's like an alley of bakery treats. So that's where you find me when I'm on a plane. Eat bakery treats. Is that code for something else, or is that legitimately you're going to enjoy some pastries of Melbourne? Oh, look, if someone wants to offer me something else, I'll probably, <laughs> you know, partake as well. But <laughs> yeah. Melbourne being a pastries town. and bakery treats. Yeah, you got it, mate. You got it. <laughs> uh, me and Tubby, we're traveling to Crowshoot from Masters this year. Yeah, Tubbs, you going back? Yeah, man. Yep. Cool. Yeah, I'm going back. I don't think I'm back. Was- to back. I don't think it was directly coming. Out, but we'll answer it anyway. Uh, almost there, boys. Tristan Gray. Uh, when you've never played an army, beat it because it's new or really seen. What are the ways you try to prepare slash game plan? So, Dave, armies you don't see, unaware of, how do you try game plan? <clears throat> I assume he's talking about it in a tournament sense. Cause I would assume so. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, who cares? <clears throat> There's not a, uh, not a lot of time. If someone pulls out an army or even a unit that I'm really not sure about, I just jump on his ear and I've looked through their wall scroll myself. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, right, that's their basic shit. And then I'll, I'll maybe just ask them a couple of questions. I don't like to quiz people because, you know, you get too I don't much mind info getting it back. Too, but it's hard to yeah, take Yeah, yeah. And as well, I'm not trying to, like, tease out their game plan either. I feel like, you know, like, have your game plan, keep your secrets, let's have a good game. Um, But, yeah, just jump on his ear, have a look through, and um, try just quickly update yourself. You don't have a lot of time before the start of a game, so um, ask some questions as well, like, oh, what does that do? Yeah. Yeah, can you run and charge? That's some simple questions that I ask sometimes because then I just get distances in my head. Yeah, I assume you boys are the same, but when I'm deploying against someone I'm not overly familiar with or an army I'm not familiar with, just basic questions, you know, how far can you go in the first turn Why get into combat? You know, do you have run and charge or do you have like a pre-game move? Do you have a teleport? Do you have pluses to charge? 
Do you have like rending units? Do you have much mortal wound output? Just simple shit like that that people I think normally ask, but maybe they don't. Uh, I mean, that's sort of my part of my pregame routine. Uh, Tubbs, anything to add to yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, and um, normally you can you can jump on Azir for anything you don't know, like uh, like Dave was saying. But one of the biggies I, I I found was if they have any battalions, that's that's the only real one that I normally quiz on, because um, they're not they're not accessible a lot of the time. So the trick might be in the battalion, and you can't really just go back and have a squiz at that. Uh, it's sort of handy to ask that one as well. Yep, definitely. Cool. Adam asks, how much does the... Um, oh, sorry, Dave. Just you... on that last one quickly. Yeah, bro. Go ahead. I'm kind of relying on that um, with my Darkling Covens, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People are just going to go, what that, the fuck that is charging this? and fighting in the hero phase, goodness? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, no one knows they do that. <laughs> what do you got the springy dinghy for? Don't know, it's cool. Let's go. It's a boat. Who's got first turn? Sick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's really good. Really good. You could probably bust in some old moves like you know, if you have a longer bed than your opponent, you automatically win the game or some shit like that. Or, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. If your opponent yeah, if I pull a, a knife out of my pants or something. Yeah. Yep. If you're I, I don't know, anyway. Adam says, How much does the ability to low drop uh Sorry, how much does the ability to be low drop affect the competitiveness of lower tier armies? And aren't Stormish players the fucking worst? <laughs> low tier armies, low drop? Uh, yeah, so uh, drops is still one of the most like important things in the game, I think. like uh, If you have the ability to be lower drop without uh, taking a disadvantage in your list, like Go hard, man. Being uh, dictating the turn is fucking huge. So all those lower tier armies, if they can get lower droop drops uh, and dictate the turn, that's going to be huge for them. Um, I, I I think it's I think it's one of the biggest things in list writing. If you can squish a battalion in there, and if you can't, you have to be able to have good impact on the first turn. Otherwise, you you fucked. And yeah, Dave? Slanesh sucks. We'll put Skaven in that boat too, bro. Yep. Dave, you're playing a low tier army at the moment. How much do you care about low drops? Um, well, I'm a two drop, so I guess I care a little bit. Oh, you um, fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear no downside of this, of this army. It's bottom tier, mate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess if you can... If you can realistically go a low drop, then yeah, sure. Why wouldn't you? Um, don't hinder yourself to the point of like, you know, you're a low tier, but you just take 400 points of battalions or something. Maybe that's not worth it. But I also feel there's an opposite where, and this is again coming from when I was playing Gits, where your drops, it just doesn't matter. I could be up to 3 billion and I just wouldn't care. Um, but that that's not a low tier army, so that doesn't answer the question. Um, yeah, if you can go low tier, go low tier. It helps out. Um, as I said, if you can dictate who's going first and second, that can that can really help, especially with your deployment. If you know that you can go comfortably second and they have to move forward or something like that, that's huge. Yeah, that comes down to the um, the the missions as well. That you're going to be playing like if duality is there any of the hero scoring missions like 
typically you want to get on that objective first or anything where you can score large early. Um, the threat ranges too in the missions, that's a biggie if they're 18 or 24. Dictating that turn is just hugely important. Yep. yep. No, I agree. There's so Great. much more you can do. I mean, there's only five turns in the game. If you know you can safely deploy in turn one and give your opponent the turn, you've wasted 25, oh, sorry, you've wasted 20% of their game. Uh, so, yeah, or possibly 10% if you're looking at both phases. But any time that you can effectively make your opponent waste their turn, especially if they don't have, like, teleportation or threat ranges or setting up spells or repositioning or Battleshock immunities and stuff like that, then I think that's excellent. So I think I still think being low drops is really powerful. And going from playing my sort of 15-drop shirt list to going down to, like, a sort of 5-drop Stormcast list, where I've been able to choose, I've really enjoyed it. But, yeah. If you're building a list that has, like, large drops, you have to deploy knowing that, and you just have to stick to your deployment. And accept that you might have a wasted turn. Because the worst thing you can do is just push your army into the middle of the board and get double turned and lose the game. Um, which is what a lot of people do. Because they go, oh, I better do something so I'll move forward. Uh, lastly, Chris Young. So last question, boys. Is how much do the OP rules GW make go against the feeling of you winning the games and not just being in balance? Obviously, everyone needs a good driver. But there are days that some games are just bumper cars versus F1 cars. So does it feel like your army is too overpowered as opposed to you being a good pilot? Or what? Is there a big discrepancy in the game about that recently? Um, I guess is the question. I would uh, answer yes. Yeah, I'd, like, I'd agree, like, man. Like, like the fake rules have been bringing shit to the game that no one's ever seen before. Uh, as I mean, we said I'd never get it for one turn. Skaven are just outright broken across the board with just efficiency, just so economical, that army. It's just so good point to point. Um, and Sunesh now making your own fight last. And Fire Slayer's just not giving a fuck and taking all the damage in the world. So I'd suggest it, not playing a battle... Uh, I mean, it doesn't have a battle time. Sorry, tough it, to answer this question. It definitely feels better when you win with, like, an underrated army, man. Like, I, I sold my feck because it's... It's fucking lame. <laughs> like, winning with that army just feels like what I even put my models on the table. I did was push it forward. Like, I put my dock aside after Masters because it was like, well, they're just so good that I'm making, like, mistakes and not getting punished for them. Um, like, it's it's so much more fun playing a harder army or a slightly lower tier army that can compete and, and beating those top armies or beating those other armies because just pushing models forwards with fucking incredible rules is um isn't isn't that much fun once you do it a few times. What do you reckon, Dave? I assume that's why you picked up the the covens at the moment. You got a little bit <clears throat> sick of playing some filth. Yeah, a hundred percent. You get to a point where you're just like, yeah, I'm sick of this shit. Yeah. Like as you said with Daughters of Cain, I felt stormcast. Um, when I was playing them around the Masters time, they were just so forgiving. The, the list I was taking was so forgiving to mistakes and I could make one and I could kind of be like, okay, I fucked up there, um, but I could come back from it. But yeah, I, I agree. If you play a lower-tier army and you get good with it and win, um, it's 
yeah, you feel like you've earned every win. But I'll kind of um, put on that that if you're like not the best player in the world or an average player, probably don't worry too much. No, Just totally, yeah. take the shit that you like. Um, but as well, keep some humility and realize that if you're currently playing FEC because you've always played FEC and you love FEC and you're just playing in your, your crew and you're just pumping your boys, <laughs> just maybe tone down. I've got one of them. Maybe tone down how fucking how many tickets you got on yourself because, <laughs> fuck, the army could be playing a bit of a role there. Awesome. Well, that's all the listeners' uh, questions. So thanks, guys, for interacting with us and sending them in. Um, I believe we got to everyone's questions. If we didn't, then sorry, get in touch, and we'll try get to it on the next show. If you want to interact with us on Twitter, um, I'm at AOSSean89, so it's A-O-S-S-H-A-U-N and then 89. Uh, before each show, I normally put up some questions there. Subs has Twitter, but he barely fucking uses it. He just looks at cosplay girls for ludes or whatever the fuck they're called. I don't know. Chuck I followed it all the hot likes. Nobody will see it. Oh, bro! I followed some guy called like <laughs> Chump Hammer the other day, and all he does is like like and retweet fucking porn. All <laughs> 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 my fucking feed is filled with these days. It's this Chump Hammer guy going along liking porn and fucking cosplay girls, and I be careful <laughs> when I open up my phone in the morning because if the missus sees it, she's gonna be like, "Ah, oh, I thought you were playing some dumb nerdy game, but no, you're just fucking tapping over porn. That's great." <laughs> so yeah <laughs> anyway so we'll get into the main which is worse uh, I mean you know we're a, a progressive couple bro so <laughs> <laughs> no anyway it's enough about that uh, so we'll get into the main part of the show now uh, an hour in four beers down let's, let's do it boys so in this part I am going to ask some questions hopefully they're good questions because that might dictate the sort of content and the answers we get here of Dave and Tubbs, given that they are masters of their respective countries. Uh, so this is going to come from preparing for a tournament sort of point of view. So if you're just looking to play a casual, you know, a casual game with a mate, outside of a tournament, the result doesn't matter. You know, maybe these are some practices you can try implement if both parties agree to it. You know, get consent first, guys. Implied consent has never got anyone <laughs> off the hook. Be fucking careful. <laughs> But if you go into a tournament, these are maybe some practices um, or rituals you might want to try yourself. So they're just going to be very general questions, and then the answers are going to come out of these guys' let out of these lads' mouths. Hopefully, they're good. We'll go from there. So the first part is the state of the meta. So to have a top table army, lads, and I'll start with Dave. What are some general things you believe you need to have to deal with the current day meta? So going to a tournament in a week or two weeks, not too far down the road. Do you think there's some fundamental tools in your army you need to have in order to deal with what you would expect to see in the meta? Um, yes. Uh, I say every time that I believe in a tabletop game, and I think most uh, people who are good at tabletop games would definitely agree, that movement is the most important phase of the game. Um, so on that line, I believe that you need some way to get yourself around the table. Uh, and on top of that, I think you need fly. Uh, you don't want to be blocked out. And especially with the amount of endless spells that you can push out, 
and that do block movement you just want to be able to fly over things and stop things like if you think about say um what are the fucking dwarves what are they hey, called yeah. or fire slayers no nah, the fucking no nah, the normal dispossessed yeah <laughs> like those guys have <laughs> four oh, ups re-rolling saves <laughs> <laughs> so they have that durability really good, but they're not winning because they can't get around the table. They're, they're four-inch moving fucking fat turds. Um, so, yeah, I always try to put something that can move around, whether that's through teleportation, um, relocation, storm casts, um, favor, um, or fly. So I'll use my current list, my Darkling Covens, which I think can um, hit it with the top. Um, I've allied in some Ideneth. Um, so I got six defensive eels, and I think they do a couple of rolls for me. Um, one, they can block out themselves. They have a little bit of a footprint. Um, if I charge them into something or I stick them in cover um, against things that don't have readily accessible mortal wounds, they're a three-plus. Just struck a Mystic Shield on. We use one of the new command points now um, and reroll ones. So they're a real defensive unit in a very weak army. Um, and, and they move. They move fast and they fly. Yeah, and they fly. So that's really important for me. Um, feel that you have to be able to um, screen in some way. If you just put all your cool units on the front line, you're going to have them removed. Um, so some way to screen. And, you know, even if you've got good units, say like Fire Slayers, you can, you, you know, you can be a bit smart with your screening. It doesn't always have to be just the shittest units in your army. Yeah, agreed. Um, so screen smart. Um, and I, if I touch on the magic phase, I think you should either have a good magic phase or just like a piss week one where maybe you can get out one thing and then cool if you do, cool if you don't. But mm -hmm. I think if you're heading into that mid-ground of magic, it's just a waste. I couldn't agree anymore, you get bro. fully shut out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I think you need some kind of way to mitigate Battleshock and somewhere you need some mortal wound output. I think I've covered a fair bit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So that, my, my my hot take from what you've just said is movement is king. You need to be able to position yourself around the board for random moving objectives or just objectives in general, play game scoring. Uh, you need to have a screen so you can take a hit or attrition the initial hit. Um, and in the magic phase, you need to dominate it or you need to have some minimal interaction with it where you can impact it, maybe an auto unbind. Maybe something that fucks up someone else's magic, you know, corn judgments, for example. Um, yeah, and that's sort of what I took away from what you said there. Um, oh, and some mortal wound out, but Stormcast Heroes, plenty of abilities that can do that. Tubby, do you have anything to add? Do you have the same points? What yeah, man. Got, um, so I think Dave's nailed, like, my thoughts on a lot of that. Uh, he touches really well on that, on that magic phase, uh, which I think translates over to a lot of the other phases of the game too magic phase is a real good example though because you might build your list around a spell 
but if you don't cast strong enough uh, and you go up against somebody who does cast strong, you're not going to get your spell off, which is going to break your combo, which is going to break your synergy. You either can do it or you can't do it. And if you can't do it, just just tickle around the edges. Just just have a little bit uh, without investing too heavily into it. Um, and it. And it's the same thing for things like shooting um, and things like combat. Like, again, you know, you've got the best combat unit or you don't. Like, why would you go super hard in on a combat unit which doesn't fulfill the role uh, to to the best of, you know, the sort of abilities in the game? Um, you've got to sort of find your niche there. Um, uh, something I'd, I'd definitely say when you're looking to go to an event, you're looking to take a list, is work out what the issues in the in the meta or the issues in the armies you think you're going to see are. Uh, so a, a good example of that was, I remember a while back, uh, you were going to a tournament, Sean, and there was a Nurgle player who was kicking dicks. Um, with blades of putrefaction and we're like hey like how do we counter this um so it goes off on a six six plus so we chucked some tempesters in so now now they can't achieve that we chucked an encanter in so that's another line of defense against that um doing things like that like that translates over to nowadays where it's you know it was grizzle go fake uh it was things like doc uh, Slanesh, you know, like Slanesh is making you fight last, so why don't you have ways to make them fight last so you can counter that? Or why don't you put in ways to let you pile in um, outside of the combat so they can't fight you before the, uh, before you can fight them? Um, you've really just got to pull apart these, these top lists, these scary lists, these lists that are doing really well, uh, work out what it is that's making them do well, and it'll be obvious uh, and seeing what you can do with your army to to counter that in your list building, because you know list building is a massive part of of playing the game, um, and it's the bit you've got the most control over. So, I yeah yeah you you've just got to sit down, look at it, pull it apart, and um, and set yourself up for the best. Yeah, that's that's great commentary, and I think you actually touched on like three or four of my questions that I got coming up. <laughs> so, so that was um. Hmm. So that's really good. That's some good foreshadowing. So, again, we're looking at it from a perspective of going to a tournament with the idea of doing well with commentary from a couple of top players we have here. So I think, so my next question, and I'll give a little pre-ramble to this. First sort of phase, I think, of when you're going to a tournament, and I've just put phase on the end of everything because it's a buzzword. It's something we use in games relatable. Is what I'd call the expectation phase. So what is your expectations of the event? And what are you looking to achieve from that event? So do you want to do the best you've ever done? So that might be, I finish 8th at my last tournament. I want to finish above 8. I want to be seven, six, five. What is it? Do I want to win the event? Do I want a podium? Do I want to win Best Grand Alliance? You know, it's having a sort of honest conversation with yourself about what you believe you can achieve with your skill set and then what you believe you could possibly do gameplay-wise and list-wise to make those results a reality. I don't know. Do you guys ever sort of, Plan your expectations before you go to events, Dave. Do you, or do you just not give a fuck and just roll and just do whatever you want? <laughs> nah, nah. Um, I, I guess at this stage in my gaming career, I always, I don't expect to win, but I try to 
hit that spot. I mean, why not? I, I know I can hit it, so why not try hit it? Um, obviously, try not to be a dick about it when I'm getting there. And if I get pumped on that second last game, then I get pumped and whatever. Um, but expectations. Um, I guess I expect everyone to kind of come to this table with the same purpose in mind. And that's just to have a, a kind of fair game, a, a, a game where you test your skills and your armies against each other. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, don't I don't know. think there's a reason know. why you yeah. can't have a tactical game while it also not being fun. You know, a lot, totally. a lot of my, 100%. a lot of my best games. In fact, the best game I've ever had was on table one for a tournament a couple of years ago against local. Um, mediocre player Matt Britton, who is a wash-up. <laughs> um, me and Matt had a sort of thing going on for a couple of years in the early stages of AOS. We were we were above everyone else in the meta, and we, it was we were always sort of meeting at game five at the table. And I lost this game against him, and uh, knife to the heart. And it's probably the best game of Warhammer I've ever had because it was just so tight, it was so swingy. We are both competitive players. We excel mm. on the nitty gritty and the amazing and the winning and the hype and so on. And um, I lost the game. Matt won the tournament. I came second in the tournament. But I was so happy for him. I, I'd never been happier for a player to win a game that wasn't myself than in that moment there. And it was, it was fantastic. And it was just like, because we both had a fair, intense, awesome game that we both got an immense amount of pleasure out of. So I don't know why you can't have both. You know, I, I don't like this whole stigma of you're a tournament player who is generally like an asshole who wants to win at all costs. Or you're like a casual fun player at the bottom tables. Like, you know, most of the best games I've ever had have been at top tables. Most of the worst games I've had have been at bottom tables where people don't know your fucking rules and they're just taking a piss. And you're like, ah, bottom tables. I can't really be fucked calling this guy out, but whatever. You know, it doesn't work like that. I I, I don't know. But more importantly, like, do you think it's important to set your own expectations before you go into an event? Yes. Yeah. I think you do. And it'll really help with, um, I think it'll help with how you enjoy the event at the end. If you've set your expectations and you've said, I'm going to go three, two and you go three, two, then you're going to be happy when you walk out. Right. But if you've gone, Oh, I'm going to this bloody 60 man event and I've got the top four ranked people going, I'm going to go five and five. <laughs> you've never done that before. Yeah. You're going to be disappointed. Yeah, that, yeah. Definitely don't set those ex- expectations. You, you will disappoint yourself. So yeah, I definitely think you should, set expectations and if it's something you that you want to do is get better at the game then you should continually strive to do a little better than before a little better and a little better i like when i first started playing tabletop games in 40k like i still remember the event that i went to and it was after i played for about a year and i i still remember this event and just, I don't know, something clicked for me and I was like, you know what, like if I just sit here and I actually think about what I'm doing and I think about the movements I'm doing, and I try to think and turn ahead and what they're doing and things just started to fall into place and work, you know. And then I came second at that event, you know, I didn't come first. And from then, yeah, I started setting myself um, expectations that I wanted to get better and better. And it, it took a while for me to get my first first place. 
Um, but yeah, I was hitting podiums more frequently. And then, you know, when I got that first first, it was great. It was a really good feeling. And, you know, I didn't walk in after I'd gotten my first podium and just be like, well, fuck y'all. I'm coming first now for the rest of the life. <laughs> yeah. Put, put me down. Yeah, be, be <laughs> you you got to keep working at it. I mean, it's sort of points we've already discussed, but the whole self-awareness and being realistic, I guess. Tubby, do you ever bother seeing the expectations going into an event or, you know? I, I seriously don't, bro. Um, no, I, I just take something on a play that I think is going to be good um, or, like, easy enough that I can go and get shit-faced on Saturday. I, most of the time I'm going there to, like, hopefully play some good hard games but catch up with the boys as well. Um, I'm not overly too phased about how the tournament ends up as long as I don't get like too <laughs> too pumped. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't, I don't really see the expectations to be honest. Cool. That was the shit question then. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one, the, the next one I have written down here. And this is why you guys are the masters and I'm not. Maybe I should stop setting expectations. Maybe I should just be like, the world is my oyster. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Then we'll go from there. But the, the next phase I have written down, which I think we've actually already covered off, is the meta phase. And is it important to know about your local meta in order to do well in events? So, yes. Yeah, okay, Tubby, you, I, lead, you, yeah, I you lead since you've jumped into that. Is it important to know what is in your local meta, what to expect at events, and then is it important to sort of tailor somewhat of your list to be able to interact with those lists you expect to see? You know? Yeah. I think, take it away. I think if you take your gameplay off the tables there, it is the most important thing you can do. Uh, you, can, you can list build for anything, but if you're not list building for something you will realistically see, you're, you're fucked. You're, you're wasting your time. Um, the what what the boys are playing at the time, especially in a smaller scene like ours, it's it's probably a lot easier to do. Uh, but generally, there's there's a there's a top couple armies, and you know they're the the top picks and the the better players, or maybe more players are going to be playing them. Um, and you need to be able to counter them. You need answers to them. Uh, it's yeah yeah. I think I think it's the biggest thing. Dave, have you got any comments on understanding the local meta and how that might affect no, your list? I agree, definitely. Just figure out what your local meta is. Just ask some questions. Ask your mates who's taken what. Even if you travel, just shoot a message. Oh, what are you guys yeah. playing? Oh, yeah, cool. I'm not tailoring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah, definitely. <laughs> There's a difference between uh, tailoring and just being able to, to answer them. like. A real good example is um, uh, Joel McGrath took that that hard out anti anti fic anti Skaven list to you guys as last tournament. Hey, was it Sydney GT? Lord of Lord of War, bro. Yeah. Melbourne. Oh, was it Lord of War? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brilliant list. I think it's fucking fantastic. I'm absolutely no way poo pooing his list, um, but it's hard. It's hard tailored one end. Um, probably probably too too much of an extreme there. So. If he come against those lists, he fucking dickholes them and has a great time. But because he's gone so far one side, he sort of has that same problem that, that you were finding with your list, Sean, where you've gone so far in the shooting end of the spectrum 
that you can't contest objectives uh, like like a more rounded or a more bodied list could. Um, and and that's probably a bit of a misunderstanding in the meta there that, hey, there is these armies out there and they are the boogeyman and they are on the top tables. But if you if you can't get yourself to the top tables, because, you know, you've got to get past three rounds before you really guarantee that you're playing those lists, um, there's no point skewing it that hard. If you if you know what I mean, yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah. my list has never felt so fucking useless as it did last weekend when I played yourself and Matt, who had lots of bodies on the board, yeah. and my army was specialized at killing centerpieces and characters, and then pulling the list apart from there and winning late game, and yeah. doing that to a sea of grots that don't give a fuck about battle shock and just spew spells at me and just <laughs> meet me from across the board yeah. was crap. And then doing that against the Legion of Nagash Army or whatever it was, that just kept bringing models back. Not units, but models for grave sites, which is dumb as well. Yeah. You know? have, have you seen that in some of these heavily skewed um, shooting lists, Dave? That they might have great output and output that almost rivals combat levels of output through the shooting phase, which is obviously a lot stronger. But because it sounds dumb, but because the shooting phase is after the movement phase, they can't contest the objectives. Like, they can't put them in combat because they're shooting units yeah. and they fucking suck in combat. Um, but they can't just move on to the objective or charge onto the objective because they've shot everything off. Um, so they get stuck in this weird sort of limbo where they can't yeah. actually get objectives back. And um, I know me and Sean were having this conversation and I was like, hey, like, when you had the Phoenix, you could contest an objective. But now that you don't have one, if your skinks die, you you're fucked. Like you can't contest objectives anymore because you can't put those range threat units in there anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think that comes back to one of the other questions, yeah. like building your list. Yeah. You've got to look at those missions. If you got if you got a ton of missions now, especially with uh, I think a lot of the new missions have more objectives yeah. now. Yeah. If you can't. If you can't claim objectives, it's an objective-based game. Can't win. We don't have a, a kill point mission. That should be your first focus, yeah. 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 It's not line up and table the opponent. It's line up, survive, outscore, outmaneuver, and defend the objective sort of game. So, yeah. yeah. So the next question I had here, which I think we've touched on about five different times already in different parts of the show, is the list phase. Um, continue with this, this phase theme. So list building beliefs and understanding what you want from a list at an event. Do you guys have any fundamentals or core beliefs when you're building a list that you need to sort of touch on or have to include? Or do you have an, like an ethos about how you go about building said list and a list that will hopefully bring some success to the table? Pretty open-ended question. We've already touched on it to some extent. Does anyone else have anything to add about their beliefs when building a list and, and how they approach Building a list. Yeah, so if, if, if you got something um, there, Dave? Oh, yes, yeah, wait. You go, um, mate, yeah. So I think if you <clears throat> if you kick meta aside, like we've already talked about, when you, when you build your list, you need to sit aside and decide what your list is going to excel at um, because that'll play into your whole game plan and how you play the scenarios. Uh, your list has to do something really well in particular because if it doesn't, you're stuck in that in that weird 
that weird loop where you can do everything, but you're not actually good at anything. Um, and ta taking aside any meta picks or scenario picks or, you know, things like that. Um, if just getting that core foundation for your list and then working the other ones in from there is sort of how I go across across building a list. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Figure out what your list does well and don't dilute that down with crap. Yeah. It doesn't need. Figure out what your list does well, put the core in that does that well, and then put in stuff that will help you further that or even better to um, be able to do the things that you need to do in a game. But don't don't water down. Don't be like, I'm going to take 30 angles and a change host. No, it's just exactly. doesn't work. <laughs> I better go. So, so would a fair summary be, I want to have a shooting list, and in order to have a shooting list, I've got to have a good, strong core that can shoot, for example, close to my heart. Long strokes from Stormcast. How do I make the shooting better? I need to build support pieces around it to exasperate what the list is good at. All right, I'm going to put in, um, oh my God, I've forgotten his name, a Knight of Zeros to roll, reroll ones. That supplements the core piece. All right, now I've got a strong core with some reroll ability in it. Maybe I'll bring in some skanks. Is that sort of what I'm hearing? You know, to sort of uh, balance out the yeah. body side of it? Or are we, are we going more skewed that way? Are we just going, are we taking what the core of the list does well up to 11 and... Yeah, so like um, a good example is when, when I built my, my grots list, um, I sort of sat aside and I'm like, hey, what do grots do really well? They put heaps of bodies on the board with uh, debuffs. So I grabbed that and I chucked in 100 grots, three units, 100 grots. And then I was like, cool, what else do they do really well? They cast really well and their wizards are really cheap. So I chucked in a whole bunch of wizards and some endless spells. And then from there, I played that out, added in bits and pieces, and I was like, hey, I need more bodies. I also need a unit that can do more damage, um, but I can't have both of those. So I went, no, I'm not adding in the unit that does more damage. I'm putting more grots on the board, uh, and then I'm going to put more endless spells in. So that'll supplement my damage a bit more. And, and that, that was the right step to take, because that's the list that's taken um, me to success with that list so far. I think if I left it at 100 grots like it originally was, um, I'd be struggling because I needed that extra unit on the board. I needed those extra bodies on the board um, to keep my heroes alive a little bit longer to get the damage out. Um, just chucking in 15 boing grots or something seems like an easier option and it seems a lot more intuitive to use, uh, but it, it wasn't the original core strength of the list and originally what I built the list around what I originally built the list around was the grots and it was the magic. So why don't I go back there and ramp that up even further, which is which is what I did. That that makes sense. And you, you've also gone through and you've covered you've covered bases. You've you've got to that point where you put in your core and you said, well, What do I need next? I need more damage. How do I get that damage? Am I gonna do it through wing grot bounders, endless spells? fucking another 40 yeah. grots in the loon boss. Like, how am I going to do it? And then you've supplemented. So in the case of the shooting Stormcast, it might be the case of I've got my shooting core, but that's not going to – that's going to be my damage output now, and that's what my list does, and it's where it comes from. Now I need to add in some 
defense and I need to add some push pressure. Is that sequitors still, or is that something else completely, completely different? But I think as well, something we need to touch on for other players is you have to figure out your style of play too. It's no use to put 200 grots on the table if you're not a horde kind of player. Um, So figure out your style of play. Like I definitely tend to play more elitish style lists. Even when I'm playing grots, I tend to play more elitish, even though they're my, my most horde army. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 really important because it's a good example of somebody that might play slowly as well. Um, if typically they like to play elite armies, and then they're like, "Hey, I think this is really strong." They chuck a lot of lot of something like grots in. They don't really enjoy it, so they're pushing it around slowly. Like they they're not versed with it. They don't want to play it heaps of time in their spare times. Like. They're not going to be as fast as somebody who does uh, typically enjoy playing a horde army. Um, it's yeah, I think I think it'd help a lot with the um, with getting your games through as well. Yeah, you got to enjoy yeah, your totally games at the end of the day. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and then that comes on to sort of the next part after. So you've, you've scoped out the meta, you've built your list, you're happy with the list. Hopefully, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> and then <laughs> lists lists have been locked in. <laughs> The practice phase. Do you guys practice with your list before a tournament at all? Once it's locked in, do you play games with it prior to submitting it? Do you start playing games after you submitted it? So the point of no return, you're taking this list to a tournament. It's in one week, it's in two weeks. Do you make an effort uh, to go out of your way to play some games with said list, or do you just fucking wing it because you're both really good at the game? Either of you? (laughs) I think I've done both. It's a pretty pretty basic (laughs) bitch question. Um, like if I know the army well enough already, then don't super mind if I don't get practice games. I play fairly regularly anyway, so I probably get minimum yep. a game in a week. So just because I live ten minutes from a heap of people. Um, but if it's a list like my covens, where I've had only a couple of games. I'll ring up the boys and just be like, look, I just need to test this out. It's in my head and I think it's dope, but it could be really shit. So just let me try some things and I'll have a couple of games. And it's really only like I've already got that core in my head. That's not changing. It's just the little details, the little tweaks, the 10 point got bounders or the fucking 40 extra goblins, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And not swaying too far from that original. Is a biggie. Um, so I, I I play heaps of games as well. Um, probably get a minimum of one game in a week, if not um, cool. if not two. Just say one a day, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it can be um, <laughs> it can be <laughs> you know four games a week, five games a week, um, and yeah, I play I I play the same list or a variation of the same list to death uh until i sort of have it down packed but um typically after i've submitted it i um i sort of stop playing it a lot more i find um if if you keep playing a list and if you keep practicing it and keep practicing it and you're thinking about these uh these other lists that have been released and you're looking at 
you start to come into some like some bad habits. Well, I, I find myself not thinking on the fly as much. It becomes more of a comes more of a process. Like I know I do X, Y, Z here instead of actually thinking about like, hey, does this work in this situation or am I just doing it because I do it every time I play with this army? Um, I don't know. Do you fall in that trap, Dave, or is, is that just me? Um, yeah, I think I think you can fall into a little trap like that, especially if yeah. you're playing the same people a lot. Yeah. Just a, just a little thing before both masters, and I did this in 40k too. Um, I wouldn't actually play like a couple of weeks before masters. I would. I don't know, it's something I do. I just kind of get a total like yep. refresh, I suppose, and I don't play a game um, in that period of time. And then when I get there, I'm fresh and I don't have any conflicting things or I'm not, I'm not overthinking anything. It's like I, I know what I'm doing. I know my list. Yep. Do, you, um, do you study into, say, you're going to the next Masters, do you study into other people's lists? Oh, shut up, cut. That's the next question. Hard out or just a little bit? <laughs> well, the yeah. next question. Yeah. So, <laughs> do you want to go yeah. segue into that so, one? So, the next question <laughs> I have here, and I've coined it the research phase, boys. So, <laughs> lists, have, lists have been submitted. They're locked in. They've been released because, Dave, for most parts, do you have like a list deadline where you have to submit your list in Australia, or do you just turn up on the day and just get whatever the fuck you want over people? We yeah yeah yeah. So to get no, checked off and so on. So so it's relevant then. So research phase, when the lists come out, two days, three days, five days, a week, two weeks, whatever it is, do you bother to review the lists? Do you take notes on people's lists? Do you just take notes on sort of the trends? Like oh okay, I'm going to a fifty player tournament. Send a list to Grisselgore. What did Grisselgore do? Like, what is your process when you see lists, or do you just go? Actually, I'm fuck, I'm good enough to make it up on the fly. I'll do whatever I want. Like, how, how do you react when lists come out, Dave? <laughs> and then, Sean, you can have a go. Subs, you can have a go at this. Um, I definitely don't take notes. Um, I look at specific things. I generally already know what lists I'm going to have trouble with. So I'll look at those and then I'll narrow it down to people that I know are quite good. So I'll narrow it down again. And by the end of it, I'm only looking at a couple of lists. And then I'm like, okay. So let's say for Masters, I probably do this more than any other. Um, so I'll look at most of the lists. And if there's stuff I'm unsure about, like last Masters, I knew coming into it that Sylvaneth was going to be hard for me to play against because I was running um, three Ballistas and... Um, Fucking just dumped points into evocators that are going to get fucked if I roll a one through a wood. Um, so I kind of just ask people around here who play kind of Sylvaneth, like, oh, what's the deal? What's the thing here? What's your thoughts here? And then I just sit down kind of by myself. And so in the Sylvaneth example, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? Usually they're trying to hide things and they're an inch away. So every time I I charge something, I'm only going to put half of a base of one evocator in those trees and I'm going to make that half an inch and then everyone's going to be outside of those trees. So at most I'm losing one model and then I can pile in and fucking whoop their ass. Um, 
and same for the same for the ballistas. I was like, okay, well, if they've got a larial, then at least I've got a target there for flying. If not, then I'm just going to use ballistas as, you know, a lot of blocking, and I'm going to try kind of cock block their woods and stuff. So I don't know. There, there definitely is a thought process and a research phase for it um, at the at the higher level events, but most of the time, no. I don't. Um, I just kind of have a quick glance. Oh, yeah, cool. Let's go on. Let's go on. Yeah. Yep. Right. Fabi, how do, do you approach winless or at least do you care? Do you not care? How do you go about it, mate? Yeah. So, um, I, I used to research the lists hard out. Uh, and I think it was more to gain knowledge of like how these units work and how these lists work and uh and I, I think that's definitely worth doing if you if you want to improve is to is to go along and learn what these units for armies you, you're never going to play do um it gives you a bit more confidence on the table but at this stage i kind of know what most of the things do um so i'll quickly skim through the lists and if one sparks my attention is like hey i don't know what the fuck this does or hey this is real obscure um then i might look into it a lot harder uh but typically unless it's really out the gate or it's a real big threat i don't i don't really stress too much um and if you know it's a big threat you know you know it's a hard counter you're probably fucked like (laughs) in all honesty like um (laughs) you're taking something that just absolutely can't deal with shooting you know you're taking four bloodthirsters and a tyrants and you're coming against a KO or something, you're, you're probably fucked. Like, in all honesty, you sort of got to get there on the day and hope they make a mistake. Otherwise, you're not you're not going to win that game. Um, and it's there's no point stressing about it. There's no point, like, trying to work out or if I do this and then I do this, then, I, then maybe he might do this. I think you're better off just chilling out, showing up, and if you face them, you face them and see if you can juke them into making a mistake or if you can't you you bug it but no i i really i really don't look at them hard out um last masters i i barely looked at them to be honest i kind of gave them all the skim over went yeah seen them all um nothing nothing like really stood out uh some some were pretty scary things like sylvaneth i didn't overly want to play against sylvaneth as well um but yeah there's there's nothing i could do about it so why stress about it just just relax and turn up on the day and see how it goes yep yeah so skim over and maybe familiarize yourself with something that you're not overly aware of uh as dave said identify the good players in the local meta or the tournament see what they're running and just sort of be familiar with it is the summary i take away from that obviously if you go to like a cancon event where there's 200 people playing 200 plus fuck yeah, like that no <laughs> way yeah because <laughs> just just don't even look at this yeah, no. you might Honestly. be stressing over lists that you might not even see until game five or six and if you get that far then fuck you've done something right you know um if you go into a more sort of small scale event where where you know the local meta is quite strong you know maybe 20 people i don't know dave i don't know the smaller side of events you guys get i know you got like briz hammer which is 100 players um Bris Vegas Open and all that sort of shit. You guys have 
just killing it in Queensland, in all honesty. But, yeah, find out who's good in your meta, which you'll know from going to a tournament. Uh, check out their list. Check for anything that seems a bit obscene. Check it out. You don't want no feel-bad moments at the table. But don't stress about it, because you're probably not going to meet all the lists you identify, and you'll probably be lucky to meet one if you go to a, play- a tournament the size of 40 or so people. Unless half the field's running the same list, and it sucks, and I'm sorry that you have to play that. <laughs> um, and, and, <laughs> I think it does work the opposite way around too, though. Like, uh, Page, James Page is a real good example of someone that will sit down with a list, break down every oh, single one, and come up with a game plan. Such a nerd, you know. Like, ah, oh. c- come on. <laughs> if you give that man some like forewarning of what he's going to play, <laughs> he's 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 probably going to win it, if not absolutely stress you the fuck out um but it depends what what you like man like if you like to nerd out and go that hard go that hard man but if you like to just relax and hope you can just (laughs) wing it on the day then you know do that don't stress yep yeah and for the most part what you perceive as as long as you're relatively aware what you perceive at a good list and the good players you likely won't see them until sort of day two or round three unless you're unlucky Again, depending on the size of the event, lots of variables that go into it. Um, and that's about all the questions I have for you guys. I'm not going to go into sort of like play on the table because I find that it's so subjective and there's too many variables because you can come up with as many hypothetical situations as you like. And there's always going to be a solution to something, but how relevant and how practical is that for someone to apply who may never be in that situation? So I thought maybe the preparation side of a tournament might be a bit more useful for our listeners. So unless there's anything else that you lads have some inside master's knowledge that you want to bespoke on us layman common folk. Feel free to do so now. Yes, no? <laughs> don't <laughs> don't be shit. Think about where you put yep, your models. Great. So mm-hmm. be good. Don't just push your models around so, the board. So Tubby says be good, don't be shit. That's fucking fantastic insightful <laughs> commentary. Dave, Dave. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say something to the same effect is if you want to get better, think about why the fuck yeah. you actually did what you just did. If it was a shit move, realize, oh, that's a shit move. Probably won't do that again. Like, oh, I moved that dude there. Yeah, I thought that was clutch. But then half of my army just got blown away because I just left everything open. Just think about it, figure it out, learn from Would your you mistakes. Say it'd be like- Taking acceptable risks on board, you know, an example, something teleports, classic teleportation and major stigma is that you have to be nine inches away. If you're relying on a nine inch charge to win you the game, maybe that gameplay wasn't very good in the first place. You know, is is that sort of what you're looking, thinking about sort of why you got into that situation, you know? Yeah, I think, I think, yeah. And if at the end of the game oh, you're like you're the worst. blaming your oh, dice yeah. hard out of why you lost, it's, it's bro, you tickle that's my not the right reason now. You it's lost. a situation you put yourself in <laughs> yeah. to get to that yeah. scenario. Yeah. Any any setup you can put yourself in where you don't yeah. have to roll dice to get power from your list oh. is the right situation to be oh, in. Or just play like, If you put more models on the board, you don't have to fucking roll any dice to have more models on the board. You just do. Like, you're just going to be scoring objectives harder because you've got more models on the board. You don't need to roll your 
your dice to get anything you're done and look um james shaman if you're listening mate if you run um 20 evocators in gabriel <laughs> the core of your list is using gabriel's command ability um, oh. probably don't want to forget that two turns <laughs> really <around>. that's dead <laughs> Some oh. reflection needed. Uh, <laughs> yep. yeah. That guy's not very good at Warhammer. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So maybe just being a bit aware of the situation <laughs> you're in, instead of saying, man, uh, I could have won in turn five had I pulled off X, Y, Z, Q, and C, maybe thinking, hey, how do I how do I eliminate the risk and those yeah. scenarios that I was in, and how do I better favor my position to say, man, if only X went off, you know, like, if you fail a friend's charge, that would have unequivocally won you the game. That's that's just fucking tough shit, in all honesty. But if you're saying, man, if I made a knight's charge and then piled it around that unit to hit this other unit and then had all my procs that go off on the six to do mortal wounds to that unit happened, then you're probably thinking, actually, you know, there's a lot of what-ifs that's happened there and that's probably not the right situation to be in. That's something that needs to be evaluated prior to that happening. Um, yeah. Great. Yeah. Take so as many variables yeah. out of a sequence yeah. as Charge you can. Charge and load in 28 inches of turn. You're fine. You know, no one <laughs> yeah. needs to roll dice. <laughs> Rolling dice is for assholes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Dave, thank yeah, you very much, mate, for coming on. <laughs> very much enjoyed it. I love having the Aussie perspective and love having the caliber no of yourself on the show. Before you go, is anyone you want to shout out, give love to, people can find you, all that, you know, obligatory shit that content creators normally do when they have a guest on the show? <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. Um, I'll always shout out uh, me boys uh, in the Mango Mafia, uh, Brisbane crew, and a couple of our members have floated off to other corners of Queensland, but, you know, always wrapping the Mango Mafia. If you want to find me, Find me through there. I don't have Twitter and um, don't don't start sliding into my DMs because uh, I might not see him. <laughs> are you um? Are you going to kick your yeah, Mango Mafia? Kick your podcast on still? Yeah, what happened to Mango, Mango Radio? Radio? Uh, look, that's a um, that's a dream of Wes's. So me and Wes used to do a podcast back in the 40K days, but that's when I, we used to live in the same house. So that was easy. Uh, these days, I just <laughs> can't find the time to do it yeah. continually. Um, so while I would love to, and I love having bands with Wes, because generally it doesn't end up talking <laughs> no. about Warhammer. Um, it just talks about super random shit. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think Wes needs to find another co-host. Find another co-host, Wes. I'll come on every now and again. Fantastic. And any events you're going to in the near future that you wanted to plug? Are you going to Runex? I sort out, sort out pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm going to Runex. I've reserved a team. Um, hopefully, we might have some interstaters come, but we're still seeing if that's on the cards. Um, I'm about to go to... Uh, Ipswich, oh, yeah. good time. It's called the Ipswich GT, but um, at the time they called it a GT, they had 20 people. So I, I thought, nah, it's more like an Ipswich <laughs> good time than a GT. Good stuff. Um, and yeah, Runax, Briz Hammond need to pull their finger out and do a big event. 
And then yeah. Masters, I think that's all for me. And quietly, can you tell yeah. us what you're running at um, Ipswich Good Time? And I'll say it loudly. Uh, <laughs> Duck and Covens, be prepared. Because uh, that's some top-tier shit. Uh, running the springy dinghy, coming at you. Don't look into it too much because um, we're pretty low tier and yep. not much damage output. Fantastic. <laughs> Duckland Coven's new top tier. You're going to hear Ooh. about it. First five and First person playing them. More like. uh, Tubby, any, anything you want to say before we wrap up? No, bro. Just cheers for coming on, man. It's been good to catch up and and grill your mind about a couple of things and see how you do how you do you man because you had a hot as fuck yeah especially last year and um you're pretty much one of the um mm. one of the players that i saw and i was like man i want to play this guy i want to see how how he works things because fuck he's he's on fire you're definitely one of the premier players in the southern hemisphere dave yeah Shout out to you, Mango Boys. Shout out to Mick Gemi. I played him at CanCon. He's a fucking beautiful looking man. Shout out to Mango Mafia, the certified mango pickers <laughs> of Australia. And we'll leave it there. We'll be back in your ears pretty soon, <laughs> listeners, with a call to arms wrap up show or a call to arms pre hype show. Oh, yeah. Cheers, boys. Thank you.
told ya. Now you do what they told ya. Now you do what they told ya. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me! Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me! 